Welcome to the Mom is Hit podcast. In this episode, we have Jenny Sills of Life Simply Balanced, who's a functional hormone specialist who's going to be sharing not only her personal journey to conception and struggling to conceive her son, where she ended up using an egg donor and IVF to conceive, things that she was going through to kind of grieve that process of needing to use an egg donor, how she's bonding with her baby now, and then she's also going to be sharing things that you can do to help support your hormone health as you are in your preconception phase, your conception phase, into your pregnancy and beyond. Welcome to the Mama Safe Fit Podcast. This is Gina, perinatal fitness trainer and birth doula. And this is Roxanne, labor and delivery nurse and student midwife. And this is the Mama Safe Fit Podcast, where we empower you on your prenatal fitness, birth, and postpartum return to fitness journey. Our podcast shares how to move throughout your pregnancy to stay strong and comfortable. Pain is not a requirement of pregnancy. Understand the science of birth and how to approach recovery after birth. We share our personal experiences as mothers navigating the stage of lives, plus our professional expertise as birth workers and fitness professionals. Our goal is to help you feel confident as you navigate the perinatal timeframe for an empowering pregnancy, positive birth, and postpartum journey. We are glad to have you with us on this journey and that you've chosen us to support you. Welcome to the Mama Safe Fit Podcast. In this episode, we have Jenny from Life Simply Balanced, who is going to be talking about how you can support your fertility and your conception journey. And then she's also going to share her own conception journey with an egg donor. So thank you for being here. Yeah, thank you for having me. I'm so excited to get to chat with you guys and get to share more about my own journey because it's been, well, at least two and a half very stressful, frustrating years just to get to the conception of our first child. But then also it's just really important for me to share my story because I think so many women I know are walking similar pathways, maybe not the exact one. And my mission is to help women feel heard and seen through the ups and downs that is a woman's conception journey and fertility journey. Cause it's not always easy and it's challenging as we know. So the whole process. And then once then once you are pregnant, you got another more challenging journey and then so on and so forth. So whole new experience. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So let's talk about your conception journey. So you said it was two and a half years before you guys conceived your son now. Really? Can you share more about that journey and kind of the things you learned along the way that you think would benefit other women that are in their conception phase? Yeah. So I think a couple of the big things that stand out to me is one was because of how busy I was with living my life for probably a decade plus of just like, go, 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 prioritizing busy to the point where I didn't take care of my health as well. So then flipping it, becoming a personal trainer, working my way up to be a head coach um, at a, a boutique studio, fitness studio. And still, while I thought I was focusing on prioritizing my health, not always still making the best lifestyle decisions to to match that. So one of the big themes was not listening to the feedback cues my body was giving me for a long time because I just kept saying, I'll deal with that later. Oh, it's fine. It's just stress, which we all, I think, know that stress and hormones are very much correlated. And then lack of education as well of understanding, like, I think my friend at like 35, 36 was like, it sounds like you're in perimenopause. I'm like, I don't really know what that is, but I'm too young for that. Like, there's no way or not even again, really like taking the time to educate myself. I think that's the biggest theme I see there. And then towards the end, learning to advocate for myself and what I feel is right for my body and my health. 
I kind of shared, lived a very stressful life, even like in a very toxic work environment where my sleep was all over the place, my stress levels, I wasn't managing my stress, but I was eating really well. And I thought, oh, I'm working out. So I'm healthy. I've got this figured out. My husband and I met later in life. We got married at 38, almost 39. Neither one of us ever had kids. And I had been told in my early 20s, Oh, you're like fertile myrtle. You're 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 gonna have no problem conceiving. So that it was always kind of what was going on in the back of my head. And I just thought, I'm never, I'm not gonna have problems. And what I wasn't paying attention to was your regular cycles, where I'd have like two a month, then I'd have one. And then I would maybe go 45 days before I had one. Like very much signs and symptoms of perimenopause. But this was around 35, 36. And I just thought, there's no way. Like I'm I'm too young. I'm just stressed. And again, not really understanding how stress impacted my hormone production and my hormone health, especially when it came to sex hormones. And so when we got married, we're like, all right, we're going to start trying right away. And I think it was then that I had like a three-week cycle, three-week period, and then I would go 60 days. So it was getting more and more extreme. And so after four months of trying, went and saw a local OB, didn't have one yet here. We had just moved here. and. She did some basic blood work and she called me on a Sunday and I was like, well, it's never good if your OB is calling you on a Sunday. Like that can't be good news. And I mean, I really appreciated her thoughtfulness of like, hey, I just wanted to talk to you and let you know that your levels are really low. And they were looking at, you know, your sex, my sex hormones, but also AMH, which a lot of women see as the determining factor if, if you can or cannot conceive. And so, like, just for reference, my, an average, they say, like, AMH level, which is your anti-mullerian hormone, which is kind of kind of tells you how many eggs you have. It's not the only thing it tells, but they say it would be like a two to a four. So in 2022, mine was at 0.085. That seems low. No. Yeah. See those eyebrows? It's low. And so they sent me off to a fertility clinic and we did a virtual call and all this physician had were my numbers. And I got to tell my story and symptoms for five minutes. And she just said, you need an egg donor. And I think just like having this moment of this never crossed my mind. Like I'm just trying to grasp the, the fact that this might be a challenge to conceive, but now you're telling me there's really no hope. And you a, really don't know me. You haven't looked at anything else. You haven't asked me any questions about nutrition, lifestyle at this point. I do have a good sleep schedule. I do have ways to manage my stress. Like I've spent years implementing these things and I'm at the healthiest in my life. I mean, generally speaking. And so I, I was just in shock. And so my husband was like, no, we'd heard a gal by the name of Dr. Cleopatra. who We just, we love her name. We love her. She's a scientist and she has this whole preconception course that we decided to dive into as opposed to just going egg donor. Because I wanted to know that I did everything I could to give myself that chance. And a lot of the things we did were changing the way I worked out. So I used to do a ton of hit cardio workouts. I used to run all the time. So moving from that to resistance training, as we, as I know you guys know, are big proponents of insulin resistance, diabetes runs in my family. So just learning like, hey, when you weight train, when you use resistance training, as your main form of exercise, that's going to help your body also become more insulin sensitive. So it's going to help 
you with the foods that you're eating, you're for your body to to understand those cues that in, that the sugar you're putting in is is telling. Right? It's like this is where insulin should go. So changed a lot of that, which was kind of it felt isolating because I was going to a gym, and they while they offered strength classes. I always felt like the rest and recovery I knew I needed between exercises, there just wasn't ever time for that. And so it always felt rushed and I'm competitive. So I also will push myself to like do the most reps or get as many rounds in. And I was like, I need to be out of that environment and just kind of like go internal and take care of me. So that was hard because I was getting to know people and I was like pulling away, but I knew that was super important. While my nutrition was very on point, it was still like minutely fine-tuning it. Am I getting enough nutrients to absorb what I'm putting into my body? Am I getting enough protein? So it was all of those things. And then there was a lot of mindset. There was a lot of looking at, like, have you heard of EFT tapping? No, I haven't heard of that. Emotional freedom technique Mm -hmm. with acupressure points where you really kind of jump into what your subconscious thoughts are and learn to reprogram them. So things that I might have said was like, even though I'm not ovulating, I still love and honor myself. So really like working through the gut-wrenching aspects of and the visualizing parts of becoming a mother and not not being there yet. Um, and just what we were having to change. Um, I did seed cycling, cycle syncing in all aspects of my life. So I really just focused in on the lifestyle phase. And then about seven, eight months of doing that. And I still, I was like 102 days between cycles now. So things weren't getting better. That's when we added on the support of another semi-local company called Reply OBGYN. And they're up in Cary. And they do all telehealth. But then they dive more into the blood work. But... You know, one thing I noticed is when you go to your OB, you literally get one test whatever day of your cycle you're on versus with them, they were like, well, here are the hormones you need tested on these days of your cycles and you need these hormones tested on these days of your cycle. So it was more accurate to what's going on in my body. We started bioidentical hormone replacement therapy to try and get my body cycling because I was having like menopausal like hot flashes, like 15 plus a day was like totally taking away from my sleep quality, which made me crankier and made things harder. And then of course I was doing like the fertility awareness method. So I was tracking temperature, cervical mucus. I don't know if you've ever done that. It's exhausting. And while I really believe it's a really great method, I think, you know, doing that for month after month and getting negative tests, you know, not pregnant, not pregnant, it mentally was so incredibly taxing on me. And so a whole year had gone by. And so January, 2023, they moved to doing ovulation induction medicine for me, where they would just kind of help that the ovulation, because they couldn't really tell if I was ovulating through all of the tests we were doing. And obviously my AMH was low and it actually had lowered to 0.015. So it was like, really like, okay, you know, we're not, we're not moving in the direction we want to go. You're doing all the things you're checking all the boxes. So let's do this. And I just remember I had to go into Fayetteville for the ultrasound. And if you've ever done an ultrasound, they they usually don't tell you what they see. They're very like zip lips. And she was like, no, you need them to tell you how many follicles, because 
pretty much going to tell us if you need to go and try and conceive today or tomorrow, like where your window is. So I already had to kind of argue with the tech on like, no, the doctor was supposed to put a note. I need, I need this information. And they finally came back and they were like, there's no follicles. Like we can't find any. And then trying it one more time, still getting the same news and just gut wrenched. Like, okay, we're back to where we were a year ago. Like, there's no way to tell if you have eggs left, but we're pretty much seeing that there are no eggs left, you know, and I could should have, could have, would have the whole time of like, well, I wish I, I would have done this or, but that didn't change the present. And so then it was just really a time of grieving of, you know, okay, this, this dream, like my mom and I feel like are like, I'm her doppelganger. Like, I feel like I look the blue eyes, like I look so much like her. And so I think in my mind, I've just always envisioned having a little girl with blue eyes, just like mine. And for whatever reason, like giving that up, even though it's kind of, it's superficial was one of the hardest things I have to do because I know enough about epigenetics and how we have the power to change genetic history and how, um, how we live our lives truly does make a difference in terms of like health. And then I talked to some of my girlfriends and they're like, my daughter doesn't look anything like me, you know? And so it was, it was that like, maybe I need to change the way I'm viewing this whole process. And that, I mean, that was counseling. That was more tapping. That was, that was a lot of different, you know, supports in place to get to choosing between, you know, adoption or egg donor. And I just always wanted to be pregnant. I've always wanted to experience that. I wanted to be able to nurture my baby's nutrition and all of that. And so we decided to go ahead and go through with the egg donor process. I know that was a lot, but <laughs> to me, it was, it was really important. And one of the cool things that Dr. Cleopatra, when I told her we were pregnant a couple of weeks ago and through an egg donor and everything, and we just thanked her for her program and what I learned from the very beginning with her. And she said, what's, what's something you need to remember is that our eggs are the blueprint. We're given all of the eggs we're ever going to have when we're in our mother's womb. And the other part of that is when you have the blueprint, you get to choose your builder. And we ourselves are the builders. And so the quality of the materials that I choose to build and grow this baby, that's up to me. And so the preconception phase, she was like, everything you did, like my cervical lining, when they look at it for um, IBS and they're like making sure that it's ready to go, they're like, we need a minimum of six millimeters. And mine was 12. And I was like, woo, overachiever <laughs> here. My uterus was like, they were like, we don't see anything getting in the way. Like you're the perfect hostess. So I know that how I've treated my body in the last four or five years has really made a huge difference. It allowed me to even be able to you know, be pregnant via IBS. And so I liked that analogy of like, I'm the builder. I get to choose those materials and what I do leading up to the pregnancy and then through and then beyond really makes a huge difference in how it feels throughout pregnancy, the quality, everything, all that. So that was a huge 360 of like, there's no way, like I'm going to get pregnant naturally. <laughs> so my first thought was like, yeah, right. I don't need an egg donor. <laughs> so like coming back and accepting it of, okay, this is, this is our story and I can accept this. And this baby, I had a friend of a friend who had gone through egg donor and she said, for not one second, did I ever 
doubt that this baby was mine. And I had a hard time believing that. And like the second we saw the embryo be implanted, I'm like, that's my baby. Like I just, you know, it wasn't even a baby yet, but I was like, that's mine, (laughs) you know? So it's amazing how it really truly has come. That is really incredible. I do find that the preconception stuff that you do even before trying for a pregnancy or in your case going through IVF like is so important because if we go into pregnancy already deficient in nutrients or we're going into pregnancy with lingering injuries or physical pain, it's only going to get worse throughout the duration of our pregnancy. So that preconception phase is like super important. Right. And so for me, like we naturally conceived all of our children, but this pregnancy for my fourth one, I'm 35, which is still young, but everybody is like 36, you're ancient, geriatric pregnancy, you can't can't even grow a placenta anymore. And like all of those like crazy myths about how like you just deteriorate once you hit your mid 30s. But for me, I was like, I really want to focus a lot on my preconception nutrition, making sure that I'm eating like nutriently dense food, trying to sleep as much as I can with three small children, which sleep was probably probably my least successful thing. Continue to move my body, making sure that I'm kind of getting rid of any aches and pains that I'm having so that I go into pregnancy feeling strong. I've got my nutrition under wraps sleep as much as I can so that I can support the best quality eggs that I have. And like you said, that's just the blueprint. I still need to use all that stuff that I've been preparing to then build my little baby house or my little human being, which is incredible. Isn't that incredible? You just, you're making your own person right now all by yourself. Like right now. I think I have like three apps on my phone that all give me slightly different information and I just absorb it every week. And I'm like, it's the size of a mango. It's the size of a banana. Like I just like how, you know, just watching our bodies change and work. So the actual like egg donor process when, and or IVF too, when you're in there, it's like you're going in for your annual exam and they get you all opened up. But you're in this like super sterile room and on the other side for us was the embryologist and on a screen was the frozen egg and then the thawed egg. And so they all get different ratings. And so ours was an A plus student had all A's. And even when it's thawed, he had all A's. We didn't know it was a boy at the time, but I'm like, God will give us whatever he gives us. Like we're just excited to have healthy baby, but it's less than a millimeter and they use the tiniest catheter And then they have an ultrasound on your belly and they put it up there, like right into your uterus. And then they just press on the end and the embryo just floats out and this little, this little light like let off. And then you can just kind of see it there on this, on the screen. And it's like, okay, now it's time to nuzzle into my, to my uterus. You can do it. (laughs) But it's just such an amazing, it was 15 minutes. I did acupuncture before and after. And then it was like, we went to lunch. (laughs) It was just like, oh, okay. And then watching the growth, like you were saying over time and just truly being amazed at how quickly the embryo grows. And then it's just, it's fascinating to me. So to see it literally start as an embryo and now know like, it's about the size of a mango this week. Yeah, it's incredible because it's like, so we went for an ultrasound last week when I was six weeks pregnant, or I guess two weeks ago now, and it was like black. Yes. And I was like, there's nothing there. Like, oh my gosh, like 
there's nothing happening. And then like one week later, I was like, we're not going to see anything again. And it was like, baby. Yep. And I was like, oh, well, that was really f- like one week time. Yeah. Like, like seven the days size of a poppy seed. It was like, boop. and then all of a sudden, here's a baby, a baby with and like that's, limbs. That's incredible. And so the things that I was doing preconception to help prepare for my pregnancy was one, I was continuing to take my prenatal vitamin. I took it from my first pregnancy through postpartum. Missed a couple days here and there. I probably did miss a few. It's okay. That whole postpartum. Yes. I took it through my second pregnancy. I just was like continue. This is my multivitamin. I don't ever stop taking a prenatal vitamin. And for anyone that's in childbearing years, you can continue to take your prenatal vitamin. The one that Roxanne and I really love taking is Needed. They do a really good job like formulating their prenatals. They like, I know that they put so much research and they have providers that help them like develop them, which is really incredible. And they're third party tested. So I know that they're using really good quality ingredients. Right. And so I use that in my preconception phase to kind of build up my stores and make sure that I was going into my pregnancy Mm -hmm. with like out being deficient in nutrients. I was also getting blood work and stuff with my provider, kind of check on different levels and see if I needed to tweak anything with my supplements. Um, But Needed is something that Roxanne and I both use throughout our pregnancies. We trust them as a company. We only share about things that we love with our listeners. Yes. And so if any of you that are listening are interested in Needed, feel free to check them out at thisisneeded.com. And you can use code MAMASTAYPOD to get 20% off your first order or first three months of subscription. And they do have like trimester bundles, which is like super helpful for me during my pregnancy right now. Is my first trimester. I just get their bundle and it's just all the things that I need. And then obviously I can tweak it based on like blood work and recommendations from my provider. But I know that everything that they're giving me is like top notch, really trust them as a company. So for those that are listening, if you're interested, go ahead and check them out. I love that you said third party tested too, because I think so many women will just grab at whatever's cheapest because there can be so many expenses and whatnot. And I'm like, if it's not third party tested, you do not know what you're getting. Like just hands down, they don't have to share. I mean, like I know like even with protein, there's so many protein companies that have traces of lead in them, but they don't obviously put that on the bag, on the label, (laughs) but it's uh, (laughs) lead. But again, it's like- But it's also like they're not third party tested. So they might not even like know that it's in there. Right. Absolutely. So it's just, they're the only companies my husband and I buy from are anything that's pretty much third party tested. And another thing about the nutrients, because I've been doing a lot of research more and more on this, um, is that people in general in today's society are so nutrient deprived. Like we are deficient in nutrients because of the lack of nutrients in our soil and in the soil that the animals are eating. And so I think a lot of women maybe don't even consider that as a ne- like a necessary preconception. They're like, okay, when I'm pregnant, like no before you're pregnant because our hormones need like take magnesium it's, it's so important for over 600 enzymatic you know like functions throughout the body and so many women don't get enough of that or other nutrients and so in order for our hormones to be produced at the levels we want especially when you're talking about ovulation and all the hormones the sex hormones and the levels they need to be at those are just small, minute changes that a woman can make without having to go down this long road of like, I can't get pregnant. And just the the emotional and physical fatigue that comes with when you are struggling to get pregnant, which it simply could be, let's just start with like, are you getting enough nutrients? Is your body 
absorbing the nutrients that you're putting into? Are you getting enough healthy fats? Are you getting enough protein? Changing the way I worked out even, you know, to look at how my body responded with insulin, knowing that that was something in my family are such minute, but such important changes preconception. And I think a lot of women are like, oh, I'll get there when I'm pregnant. I'm 41. And I was like, man, <laughs> they're like, how is, how is it being pregnant? I'm like, I'm 41. Do I need to say anymore? I'm like, I'm tired. <laughs> I don't have other kids. I have puppies and I have a cat, but I, I mean, it's like, and I didn't, I was very blessed. I didn't have a lot of nausea. Um, if I did, it was like, Ooh, I take, I took my prenatal too soon. Kind of a thing. Oh yeah. Fix that really fast. But it was more of like, okay, well, I'm going to kind of sometimes force myself to eat a protein and healthy fat, even a small snack. And that would usually subside my nausea. I w- and I know it's not always like that for every woman, but I also prepared my body in advance as much as I could. And every woman is different, but it's just, it's so important that we have those habits in place and we know where to go so that when you are feeling like trash, if that's what happy does, you're feeling completely nauseous and you're sick and you don't want to eat, that you don't choose to go through a drive through and get something that you're craving or that sounds good, that's not going to fill you and your body up with what you need. But what if I really need that five-layer beefy burrito? But what if I really need it? <laughs> the baby, the baby needs Chick-fil-A it. <laughs> that's been like my latest thing where I'm like, I just want a Taco Bell <laughs> oh, beefy five-layer burrito. I just... Cheesy. I just need it. <laughs> right. You, so you need the iron. In the- so what you're saying is I should eat those ingredients, <laughs> not in a Taco Bell form. <laughs> and it's hard because you said you have three other kids, right? And so I'm sure like the thought of sitting down to prep a meal in that moment is like the last thing. Oh, that yeah. You it's do very low. Or having my, the time to do. So, Yeah. I hope I get to be pregnant again, and I'm sure I'll have a whole different perspective with a kid in tow and one on the way of, like, what it's like to, like, prep things. But I would simply, like, eggs for me, luckily, I didn't have an aversion to them. So I could just scramble up an egg. That usually would be fine. And it's not a lot of protein, but it was enough to, like, get my foot in the door. Then maybe I could try, you know, some chicken sausage or something with it or some, you know, I would saute some veggies. But again, every day I was like, well, let's try this. I don't know. Don't know if this is going to work. But So you're a functional hormone specialist. Yep. What are some recommendations that you have for somebody that is maybe in the preconception phase or maybe they're struggling to try to conceive? A few tips of advice do you have for somebody that's like getting started to figure out like maybe like what's what's wrong or what they can do to kind of improve their health as they move into a pregnancy? Okay, well, we'll start with general and then more individual. So generally speaking, it's all the things we've talked about. So it's making sure not that you're just getting enough protein. So, you know, everybody has a different way to recommend protein, but I say about 30 grams per meal and 30 grams, you know, what does that look like? I think the biggest step is like just getting protein in your meal and quality protein, high quality protein. My husband's like quality. Well, when people say like it's quality, he's like quality can mean low quality. Quality can mean whatever. So like for me, if your animal ate it, you're eating it. If they're being injected with hormones, you're eating those hormones. So for it's grass fed and finished, organic, pasture raised, you know, really where your budget can allowing those 
levels that are quality of protein in. And just, you know, thinking about if you're one a snack, finding ways to get protein in, even if it's through some Greek yogurt, right? Like just a little bit of added protein. So protein, obviously more whole foods, less processed foods is a very good general, you know, like you said, instead of going through the drive through can you make a version of what you're like, have a taco? So you're saying Taco Bell's ground beef is not high quality. Probably not for the price you're getting it at. <laughs> so can you have like a fun Taco Tuesday night at home, you know, those types of things. And then, so avoiding the processed foods. And that's not saying I don't do the all or nothing because it's not sustainable. So if you really are craving Taco Bell, then I always say like, it's kind of like a negotiation with yourself. Fine, do the Taco Bell, but then what else are you going to do that day to make sure you're getting quality ingredients and nutrients into your body? There's just so many women who I talk to, like I do cardio, cardio, cardio. And again, I don't have, I'm not against cardio. I don't think it's bad or wrong, but there's too many studies out there that just show that when we are, especially when they're doing it for like 40 to 60 minutes, all that does is elevate adrenaline and cortisol. And sometimes, especially when I've been to the gym, it's like they run out, they don't stretch. They're doing nothing to bring their body back down into their sympathetic nervous system and say, now we can get back into your rest and digest. I know when I was the head coach at this particular gym, I would work out twice a day because I could. And then I would also demo and like burn thousands of calories a day and never allow myself to like come down. But I'm like, I'm working out. This is great. <laughs> All I did was confuse the feedback loop for my body to know, hey, you're safe now. You don't have to like hold on to any everything that you eat, you know? So my body didn't know it was okay to come down from that stress. Really impacted my sleep, my quality of sleep, my ability to fall asleep. So really looking at if you are someone who loves cardio, 20 minutes max, which is almost like the best news I received of like, cool, I only have to work out for 20 minutes. And we're talking like, it's with rest. It's not 20 solid minutes. It's taking breaks. It's doing a combo of, of exercises and then taking like a 90 second break in between the next set of exercises. My favorite was sprints. If I were to do cardio, because I think I had like four minutes total of actual activity of like pushing myself the hardest I could, sprinting up a hill for 20 to 30 seconds, and then lots of recovery. But that wasn't five days a week. That was one, maybe two days a week. And the rest, I was doing resistance training where I was lifting heavy. I was slowing down my tempo. And I was really just working on form and function. And those are the workouts that I love sometimes. I'm like, oh, I don't want to do strength workout because I know it's going to push me. And I know it's really, that's where I've seen the biggest difference in terms of my overall physique and then also just my hormone balance. And resistance training is definitely super beneficial, even as we go into pregnancy. And then especially if we, when we are going into menopause, yeah, because resistance training or like lifting with weights and with resistance is going to increase the density of your bones, which makes them harder to break. And they're not as brittle when we're really old, like we're 36. And I'm like, <laughs> Osteoporosis. Just so old. Yeah. It makes your muscles thicker. Like it makes, or makes them denser. It improves mitochondria. Like there's so many benefits to 
including resistance training with your cardio as well. Like it doesn't have to be an all or none. Right. But I think a lot of us are maybe not as familiar with like lifting weights or not as comfortable. I know the only reason why like I ever learned how to lift weights was because I joined like a CrossFit gym. Yeah. It can be very intimidating to and start. It was just like a class where somebody showed me this is how you deadlift. This is how you squat. Now, like I've definitely improved my form a lot since those like early CrossFit days with like 30 people in a class. But like I needed something to give me like that start to know what am I what am I even doing here? And then I took my personal training certification where I better understood programming. And then obviously I own a gym now, so it's really easy to work out. But I definitely find that that initial step to like go to the weight side of the gym can be really intimidating because especially as women, we might not know what to do. No. And there's like a bunch of like big dudes that are maybe a little intimidating that we're like, well, I don't want right. to take these five pound weights from him. Like he might need that. <laughs> right. And so I think like that is sometimes can be the biggest barrier is learning how to lift. And fortunately, there are a lot of like online programs that people can join that show them how to lift and then they just got to do it on their own. Or there's, I think there's more like boutique fitness studios out there that do offer like strength training. And so if going to a gym is like really intimidating for somebody, I would say try finding those classes yeah. where somebody is showing you what to do until you build your confidence and then you can go kind of do it on your own. Because Resistance training is so, so, so beneficial for us as women, especially throughout pregnancy. Like it helps to alleviate so many issues like in aches and pains that we have. Like pelvic girdle pain can be resolved with resistance training. Like it's not all stretching and cardio. Yeah. Um, and then when we move into menopause, like helping to prevent osteoporosis because our bones are thicker. They don't break as easily. So. Well, and what I saw was women would be afraid to pick up the weights because they would say, I don't want to bulk up. Yeah, <laughs> just, you don't want to be bulky. Like, knowing that, like, if you look at a bodybuilder and you, like, think about the actual strict regimen they're on nutritionally and how much they're lip, that's the only way you're going to look and bulk up. When, or then, like, I would have definition in my arms, like, how did you get that? I'm like, I lift heavy. Right. I lift heavy for me. You have to I, lift weights. Right. You're not going to get that definition by lifting. I mean, I love bar. I did bar classes forever. I was an instructor there. And I think there's a lot of benefit to that. But after a while, I plateaued. My body could only show so much definition and toning through those small muscle movements. And I needed to add in, like you said, it's it's good combination. But just getting over that mental barrier of like, if I lift heavy, I'm going to bulk up. Like yeah. you would have to be really intense. And I think it's also hard because so many of us loved cardio when you're like in high school or middle school, when you get introduced to exercise, it's like, oh, go run. Right. Just go run. Right. Like you'll, that's a great exercise. And so then a lot of us love running. I mean, there's time periods I hated running. Yeah, you know? fair. I, Me too. There was time. So I was like, oh, I don't have to run anymore. Great. <laughs> uh, but now like I really enjoy going for a run. I'm Obviously like my runs are like 10 seconds long right now, but Eventually, like I loved running half marathons, but how can you balance that? Like if you do still enjoy cardio, like running with this like resistance training to benefit your hormones, like how do you find that balance? I think, first of all, doing what you love is important. So if you're someone who loves a cycle class or loves to run, throw that in once, maybe twice a week. Again, if there's like a 45 minute class over a 60 minute, right? Or um, if you can go like a two mile loop as opposed to the four mile loop, do it that way. 
I know like with cycling and with, with running, you can interval it as well. So sometimes I would just go over to reservoir and I would do a jog sprint walk. So I'd kind of, I'd be outside. I get to do my jogging and my sprinting, but then I would get that recovery as well. It's not quite a hit, but it still allowed me to get that in. And again, like I said, if it's something you love, or like I have a client who loves to go um, biking outside, and I was like, great, go biking outside, but just add in that recovery and then make the priority of at least half or more of your workouts then. So if you work out four days a week, then maybe two to three days you're doing that resistance training. And again, it doesn't have to be 60 minutes. It can be, I did a 30-minute resistance training exercise, uh, workout today because that's what I had time for. And again, like you said, I do have that programming because I was a trainer. But again, there, like you said, there are so many other options around town, online. So if you can't leave your house, you can do it. But I also think there's a good balance mentally. If you love something, incorporate it. Just don't make it your every day. Yeah. Because that's when your body kind of goes into that, like, what's happening? Like, I just feel like we're constantly in this, like, ah, you know, like the stress mode. Yeah. So... So being in stress all the time is not good. <laughs> How do you not be stressed? That's, like, that's crazy. Just like constantly walking around with your like shoulders at your ears, just yeah. stressed and tense. Right. Where I'll be watching movies and I'm like, like I feel like gripping my yeah. hand. Thing, and and I'm, I'm like, oh, I should maybe not watch these crime documentaries yeah. all the time. <laughs> well, I think women also forget exercise is a stressor on the body, right? It's It's a good, there are good stressors. But it's just learning how to teach our body what is a good stressor and what is a, a has a negative impact. And exercise can, for me, it became negative because it was I just was over exercising my body and not giving it. I'm like rest days are the best. <laughs> like I've just gotten to the point where on the weekends it's usually a long walk with the pups and my husband. Maybe we'll go for a hike, but rarely do I like do a formal workout. And I think that's important too for hormone balances, like connecting with nature, getting outside, doing things you love with other people that keep you active. That's also really important for hormone balance because it gets your happy hormones going. It gets that serotonin and dopamine, which some women who maybe don't have the best gut health need help producing serotonin and dopamine because they are created and stored in your gut. And so if you don't have good gut health, it can be hard for, you know, that's when people see more depression and anxiety too. So it's all connected. <laughs> it's all connected. And it's crazy that you bring up gut health because this is, I feel like a thing that's more recently talked about is the importance of your microbiome and the health of your gut. Because so many things are coming from there. Like, mm -hmm. like you said, dopamine and serotonin, there are like things in your gut that kind of contribute to how much serotonin and dopamine you're creating and like uptaking in your brain. Right. Which is like, those are so far from each other when you look at the body, but like it's all connected. Well, man. and serotonin is like a precursor to melatonin. So if you're having a problem sleeping, it could, it could be that like you literally can only get so many hours in, but the quality of those hours, falling asleep, staying asleep, that has, a, and it's people, I think for me, I work with the root cause. So when a woman tells me I can't sleep and they start telling me like, well, I'm, I'm eating out a lot because I just don't have time and this and that. I'm probably going to start with their gut health before I work on a sleep routine because I want to get to what's causing their inability instead of them beating their head up against the wall and feeling like they're failing because they just can't fall asleep, right? Whereas the same as when 
women will come to me and say, oh, I can't lose this weight. And I hear all about their life. Oh, that's a stress issue. I'm going to work more on stress and having them reduce their stress. And this can all be preconception as well, because our sex hormones are all intertwined through stress, you know, sleep, all of this. And so if I can get to the root cause and understand where they really need to focus first, they're going to see results a lot faster than if it's like, you know, you think, oh, I need to lose weight. So I'm going to, you always hear, work out more and eat less. Like, what does that mean? <laughs> but that's actually some of the advice that they get from physicians. Like, oh, you just need to work out more and eat less. What does that mean? What does that look like? And is that really the best first step, especially for busy mamas, right? Who are, you know, okay, like maybe they want to get pregnant with their third and they're, it's not coming as naturally and it's more challenging. If they just start reducing what they're eating, they could be reducing their protein intake, their nutrient intake, like we were saying. And if they're working out more, what do they usually do? Hit the cardio, hit the cardio, hit the cardio, right? So they're they're making it worse as opposed to like, let's let's build in some ways to manage and reduce your stress. And then oftentimes you can see the results. So Absolutely. So how could somebody work with you? Do you take virtual clients as well or are you only doing in person? I actually do mostly virtual. I work with people in town, but I've even had them say, can we, I have my kids napping. Now's a good time. Can we talk, you know, and we just do it virtually. It saves them the drive and all of that. I always start with a discovery call and they're free. They're 30 minute complimentary calls. I want women to feel heard and I can tell if we're going to be a good fit to work together. If I'm for them and they are for me kind of a situation, because um, you want that, you want that to mesh. If we're going to be talking about all things hormones and getting really personal. And then if I feel like, no, maybe you just need to make a few adjustments. I'm going to say like, try going in this direction. If it's more complex, then I will recommend if I think we're a good fit for them to schedule their initial assessment. And then we get going from there. And it's a very hefty intake form because I want to know everything going on in your life so I can paint the picture to get to that root cause first. And it's usually a couple sessions before I'll do a Dutch test analysis if it's necessary. One, because they're costly. They're not cheap. But two, because a lot of the recommendations I'll make from the Dutch test, I often can make before leading up to that with a lot of the lifestyle changes, uh, small minute nutrition changes, exercise. If we're not seeing progress over time or they're like, no, I really want to conceive then we can move to like the Dutch test to see how things are looking from there. Um, so it's very individualized. Can you explain what that test is? So it's the dried urine test for comprehensive hormones. So instead of, think of like a blood test, it's one snapshot, one moment in time that day of where your hormone levels are. And so it could potentially be inaccurate, like we said, based on like you should not be testing estrogen the same time you're testing progesterone because they are at higher levels and should be at higher levels at different times in your cycle. The Dutch test is you pretty much pee on a stick. And so it's very non-invasive at home. You do it yourself. And it does multiple points throughout the day, five or six different tests throughout the day. It's testing the same hormones, oh, but it's looking at them at multiple. So right when you wake up, it's looking at them at multiple points throughout the day. But it also will tell me 
if they're metabolizing, how they're metabolizing, which pathways they're going down. So I can see like, for instance, if there's an estrogen clearance. So if there's an estrogen clearance problem and they're showing signs of estrogen dominance, heavy periods, excess weight gain, migraines, you know, estrogen is growth, right? So we think things that are growing. Then I know like, hey, maybe we need to work on adding in some nutrients and adding in some supplements to help you clear that excess estrogen in your body so that you can reduce your symptoms. It gives me the full picture of what's going on as opposed to, well, your estrogen level is blank and your progesterone level is blank. And then I usually do add on the cortisol awakening response as well. So I get to see their cortisol levels and their melatonin levels. So at night before they go to bed and then in the morning, and it should be at certain levels within 30 minutes, an hour and whatnot. So it it tells me also, what is your body doing with that cortisol? Because cortisol, I know, gets a bad rap. Everyone thinks it's a stress hormone and it just makes me gain weight and all these things. But we need cortisol for our fight or flight. It's actually a really great hormone, but if it's not being utilized in the correct way within our body, it can create a lot of negative spiraling effects. So I get to see that whole picture. It's really intensive, like a 16 page summary and then some and God. yeah. So it's a lot. That's why I say like, let's start with some basic things. And then if we need to, and then let's go down that road. So you really know what's going on in your body. Pretty cool. So I love that. So where can people find you? So on Instagram, it's life.simply.balanced. And so you can reach out to me there, see what's going on, learn from me there. And then my website is jennysills.com. And we will link all of your information in our show notes as well for anybody that does want to connect with Jenny to learn more from her, work with her. I think you're sharing a little bit about your own personal story as well on your Instagram, or maybe I made that up. Nope. Um, I'm doing that. Yeah. Once we announced I was pregnant, I was like, okay, I finally get to share all of the details. Um, I kind of went very quiet through the IVF process, the egg donor IVF process, just waiting, not knowing. And then once we found out I was pregnant, I still was pretty quiet on things for a while. Just absorbing it all. So now I'm back on and sharing everything. So, Well, thank you so much for coming on the podcast and sharing all about your personal conception journey using an egg donor and kind of how you felt through that. I think that's really going to resonate with a lot of our listeners who are maybe having issues conceiving as well. Good. And for sharing all your advice on how somebody can support their fertility and to know that you're a resource available to them to really dive deep into their hormones is like really awesome. So thank you so much, Jenny, for coming on to the podcast. Thank you for having me. I appreciate you. My name's Laura, and I highly recommend Mama Stay Fit's prenatal and postpartum fitness programs. I followed Mama Stay Fit's prenatal fitness program during both of my pregnancies, and I'm certain that it played a major role in my ability to feel healthy, strong, and pain-free during a time that is otherwise really overwhelming, confusing, and uncomfortable for so many of us. I knew how to best move and support my body and my baby during pregnancy and birth, and I attribute having the stamina to power through both of my labors and deliveries to the work I did with the Mama Stay Fit prenatal fitness programming. I've also really loved reconnecting with my body and continuing to feel strong in the postpartum stage of life with Mama Stay Fit's postpartum return to fitness program, which is perfectly scaffolded for returning to a feeling of strength and confidence while honoring the proper recovery process for a body that has undergone massive changes in order to grow my sweet little babies. 
Both my midwife and pelvic floor PT have repeatedly commented on the amount of knowledge and connection I have about my body and what it needs in the postpartum, and I am ecstatic to say that the road to recovery has felt very clear and attainable thanks to Mama Stay Fit's fitness programming. I am super grateful to Gina and Roxanne for the immense amount of expertise they share in their courses and programs. And if you're pregnant, trying to conceive, or navigating the postpartum in what feels like a new body, I highly, highly recommend you check out Mama Stay Fit's perinatal fitness programs. Thank you for listening to the Mama Stay Fit podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to like and subscribe to our channel so you get notified whenever we release new episodes. We release new episodes every Wednesday and new birth stories every Friday. If you need more support throughout your pregnancy, join our online prenatal fitness programs and childbirth education courses. If you want more support after birth, you can join our postpartum fitness programs and postpartum education course. If you're a professional and you want to earn CEUs and learn more from us, you can join our birth worker course and our pre and postnatal fitness trainer course. You can check out all of our courses online at mamasafefit.com and use code STORY10 to get 10% off any of our online offerings. This podcast is sponsored by Needed, a nutrition company that focuses on the perinatal timeframe that both Gina and I have used during our pregnancies and postpartum. And if you want to check them out, you can use our code MAMASTAYPOD for 20% off your first order or the first three months of your subscription.